Giants free it. In the slot, Byron scores! Pass Cousins, right circle, moving in, shoots, scores! How do you like me now, Dylan Cousins? There by Lida. Out the tie. Smith from the point. Throws on this. It's good! Ty Smith with a wrister from the blue line. Turn back. Back door. Yeah! He scores! It's over! It's over! Game seven. Overtime oh. hero. Dante Hanoon. Do you believe it? Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Pleased to be joined by uh, former Humboldt Bronco, uh, assistant captain during the 2017-18 season and spent the last couple years uh, working with the uh, with with the York uh, hockey team, and uh, pleased to be joined by Caleb Dahlgren. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. I'm looking forward to chatting. Be a good one. And the uh, all Saskatchewan lineup it wouldn't be complete without my co-host Sean Mullen. Yes, Caleb. It's it's good to chat with you. Good to meet you. Thank Hope. you. Thanks for having me on here. Hope it's as nice. Are you in Saskatoon right now? Yeah, I'm in Saskatoon right now, at home with my family. So. I got my dog. Uh, my parents have a dog now, and so I'm first time actually spending time with him. We got him in September when I wasn't home, so I'm actually able to spend some time with him. And he's a little, he's a little bit to handle, I'd say. <laughs> but it's good. He's a little pup, so it's nice to have him here and have some company. What kind of dog? It's a golden doodle. We named him Murphy, and so uh, yeah, cute little golden doodle. So I'm happy with it. I had a golden retriever when I was a kid, and uh, I've heard the doodles basically the same temperament and those dogs are just awesome oh yeah yeah i think yeah they are the same temperament i love it i absolutely love them he loves to cuddle and he likes to have fun too it's it's honestly perfect perfect honestly works out like how how weird has this been for you i mean you're in the middle of your second year in york and all this comes down you gotta rush home everything gets canceled has it been kind of strange to keep up with yeah yeah honestly it's been a bit of a different, I guess, way to look at life, even. Not just, like, school or anything like that, but life. Like, uh, everything was going so smooth, and then you hear about what outbreak in China, and you think, okay, it's probably just going to stay there. And then a month later, you're out of school, and you're heading back home to Saskatoon two months earlier. So, for me, it was, it was kind of a good transition. I didn't really have any issues. The professors were absolutely amazing. And they accommodated us, uh, like unbelievably, honestly, probably too good. They accommodated us, but uh, <laughs> it was it was really nice to transition. They made it really smooth, and we had all the supports out there possible that we could ever need. So I think it was awesome, and uh, it was a great experience for my school and myself included. So it was good. Sucks that we couldn't practice or work out really as a team, but we got our own workouts going on right now, so we're back into the swing of things. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I got to confess, I hadn't even thought about the compounding of the, you know, current, you know, lockdown as far as, you know, you're, 
you're trying you've been you know spending in, in the last two years trying to figure out you know what normal is and how to get back to it and then and then we throw this at you i guess uh, i hadn't even thought about the the combination of you know your journey with uh you know tied into to, to this that's that is kind of crazy yeah yeah exactly there's adversity faced by everyone though and this is a challenge that our whole world is facing so we gotta come together as a team and be a team in this effort so I think all the people that have played sports understand that concept of being a team. And more than ever, we need that right now. So I think we're all trying to do our part. And now with the expansion in Saskatchewan opening up, uh, some phase, I think phase one or two now, I think phase one or two. And uh, yeah, I think we ought to be smart, but uh, it's going to be a new normal for sure in the future. It's not going to be like how it was before all this pandemic happened. So it should be interesting for sure. Caleb, I mean, the situation you went through, the, the tragedy you went through, you, you get thrust in the spotlight. Some guys were more comfortable on it than others. Some guys, you know, like yourselves, like yourself, you know, stepped up there and, and talked about wanting to be treated like you're a normal person, but really seemed to, to thrive in, you know, having those conversations. And what's it been like for you, that, that process of dealing with the spotlight and, going through what you want to say and, and the message you want to put out to the point where, you know, it, it seems like you're someone who, who could be very comfortable in a speaking setting. Yeah. Uh, for me, I honestly was not wanting the spotlight whatsoever uh, at all. Like, to be honest, at all. I, yeah, got approached, I got approached and I said, no, thank you. Like, I, I don't want to talk at all. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I don't want people to think that's what I want or any benefit of this. And I started realizing how people were, no one was even able to talk at all. And nobody was ready to talk. And people were wanting answers. And there was more demand and more demand. And so then inside of me, I was like, yeah, I got to do something. Like, I, I got to step up here. So I was assistant captain of the team. And part of our leadership group was always being vocal and always have each other's backs. And so for me, I thought I needed to be a leader for those ones that weren't ready to talk and take on some of the media attention and so once i did one interview i just wanted to thank canada and the whole world for their support that was the whole idea of my interview was just to thank them and to say i'm doing well and we're gonna get through this and we'll be stronger coming out and so i did one and then after one i kept on doing more more requests more requests more requests and a lot of the guys and every all the families too were getting bombarded by media and not saying it's a bad thing at all, but they just, the people want to know how we're doing. Sure. It affected the whole world. So people want to know how everyone was doing and healing and feeling. And so for me, I was like, you know, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to try my best to shine the best light possible and take the best step forward. So I tried my best and it obviously was good and it worked. And I, I still, I still don't like being in the spotlight. I don't think I want to have the spotlight on me all the time, but. I never do actually, but for me, it was a point where I had to be a leader and I was a leader my whole season and I wanted to be a leader after the season too. I didn't want it to just stop. And so for me, that was a big piece. And then I also had speech experiences in the past. I would do stuff with diabetes. I did lots of work for diabetes before the accident and had my own speeches. So I was comfortable talking and talking in public and publicly speaking. And now I began to share my story through a talent agency and uh, 
give speeches about my life through the accident to before and after and my thoughts on everything. So as to kind of battle adversity, it's like the speeches are about battling adversity and finding positivity in anything. So. Well, we've seen this kind of thing happen. You know, guys who've gone through some terrible adversity, some terrible tragedy, some big losses have been able to help inspire others. Um, you know, you're telling the story of your teammates, but then through doing that and through telling the story of how things evolved for you, you're inspiring other people at the same time. How has your message evolved? And, and what do you want to leave people with after they've had a chance to interact with you? Yeah, I think the one thing I really want people to leave with is that it's just life is going to throw you different challenges and everybody has their own grind. So like in the hospital for me, my grind was not just the physical injuries. I think the biggest grind for me was the emotional aspect and mental aspect of it and losing 16 people who I consider family because you're at the rink every day with them. It's different if you see them once a week, but you're literally with them every day for at least four hours. For sure. So I consider them family and being an only child, I never had any brothers or sisters. So I considered all of them. I consider them my brothers and sisters. And so for me, I wanted people to leave positive impact and that they can get through their own challenges and to enjoy the process that they're in. And I think being grateful for what you have is another message too. I think before this accident, I always lived life to the fullest. And after the accident, even proved more to live life to the fullest. And to do whatever you want to do, follow your passions, your dreams, because life is short and can be taken away in an instant. So leaving those kind of messages and positivity throughout all of this is, I think, the best because you do have two options. You can go the negative route or the positive route. And I wanted to choose a positive route in light of the darkness. You know, Caleb, you make a good point where you mentioned that, you know, the your your teammates and, and coaching staff and you know we're 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 a family and, and I think that's kinda where where you come in for, for the rest of this and why, you know, the whole world you, you know, we wanted to know how you guys were doing like you like you talked about because, you know, we looked at you guys like your family. Like, you know, I mean it, it, you know, this is a a junior hockey show Western League centric. Well they're on the same buses that you guys are. It could have been our kids. It could you know, I mean and it, it is our kids. You guys are you know, a part of, of, of uh, you know, the, the, the hockey family di uh, diaspora, you know. And so that's kind of why, you know, we want to hear from you s still. We want to know how you're doing, especially because it seems like your your journey is going in such a positive direction and, and things are, you know, kind of getting back to where, you know, in, in some ways where you envisioned, you know, you'd be at this point, you know, with uh, without anything happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think... The support was absolutely unbelievable. And there's no words to describe it. I know it helped me tremendously in the healing process, knowing that I had the support of other people. And even just like the simple message of putting out sticks or getting a message through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or just even like people making the hashtag humble strong or like there's so many things wearing a green ribbon. Like, there's tons of little things that a lot of people did that really meant a lot that other people don't even think of really meaning anything. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll send them a message, but I'll never get a response. But, like, when they when I do respond to people, they can't believe it, and they're so grateful. But I'm grateful for them reaching out to me. 
And so it goes both ways. And uh, I think another thing is that came out of this is just realizing that there are other people who have tragedies in their life and they don't get nearly the support we did. So, like, we had tons of people reaching out to us, tons of support. I'm very grateful for that. But there's people out there in life that lose their family. There's a five, five people in the vehicle and they all pass away. And the family doesn't get much support at all, if any. So for me, it was so humbling to have that kind of support and also made me realize that there are other people that go through these tragedies too, but don't have nearly the support. So I think it, for me, it made me grow as a person to be more cognizant of other people and what they're going through and to be there for them too. So what does it mean to you? Because I'm always of two minds when this kind of thing happens. Like there's a yeah. the part of me that's uh, that's certainly grieving with everybody, you know, having been on a bus for a long time as a broadcaster myself you know imagining the, what that would the situation would be like feeling close to it and you'd see other people around grieving and and the whole country grieving at the same time there's that other party that feels almost guilty because you guys are the ones that really went through it and your families really went through it so you know hearing that's great I'm, I'm glad that it, it did mean something to you but what is having that you know that support and, and that level of care from total strangers do for you in that situation yeah yeah for sure there's some there was a really awkward situation that i found myself getting into more than once and it was either people saying i know you but not knowing me how they know me right so like there was like one instance i'll give you an example so i was in the mall and this was like probably a couple months after the accident this would have been in like august of 2018 summer and someone came up to me and was like, I know you. I know you. I was like, no, you probably don't. Like, it's, it's okay. Um, I, I look familiar to lots of people. And he was like, no, like, I know you. How do I know you? And I was like, I'm not too sure. He's like, no, I know you. Like, just tell me how I know you. <laughs> I was like, um, maybe the humble Broncos. And then he started bawling. Literally in the middle of the mall, like, tears running down his face bawling and hugging me and it was a complete stranger and so like i was with my friends at the time and they were all understand of the situation too and some of them being former broncos and so i felt really bad but like i felt like i made him start crying because of what i've been through i made him have almost a bad day because of what i've been through and he didn't know how to express it and so for me, that was like a tough situation. And I find myself getting in those situations as well. Like some random people will come up to me and say, can I just hug you? I know your story. I know who you are. Can I just hug you? And I'm, I'm cool with that, but maybe not after COVID. But before I was like, fine with that. <laughs> I was fine with that. Like, I'm a hugger and it's okay. But it's just like, it's an awkward situation to be put in as a person. And for me, I'm okay dealing with that. Like, I was completely open about my process, my healing, um, everything about it. But for others that were involved, and if they got recognized, and they might not be as open to that or take it for what it was. Because I know on the inside, everybody was just trying to give their support. But it was just that there were some awkward situations and how people approached it. And so, and when they do ask, how do I know you? You don't know how they're going to take it either. Some of them might be like, oh my goodness right and, and just be like, I, I didn't want to bring this up i'm so sorry and then others like crying and then 
another example one was like oh man like I, i'm so sorry like yeah like, it's okay i appreciate your support thanks for coming and chatting it's all good and it worked out perfect but you don't know how they're ever going to take it so that would be the situations where it would be different and other people might not see that side that i have seen well in, in some ways and you know i'm sure that you feel this you know weight on your your shoulders but you you kind of you know, as as the the guy that made it, as the guy that came out on the other side, I mean, you're, you know, you kind of represent the, you know, the, you know, all of us that that, that we lost. I mean, it's kind of you're the, you know, you're the you're the the positive that we can pull out of this whole tragedy, and you're always you're always looking for for something. I mean, you know, we got you know, hockey gives blood, and we got Green Shirt Day and the Logan Belay effect, and I want to talk about Logan here at some point too, but. You know, I mean, you're the, you're like the, the, the positive and, and that's, I mean, we need that. I mean, everyone needs that, you know, to, to, to kind of be, kind of be right with the whole thing that, you know, at, at least, at least Kayla can have it okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think out of the situation, there's so many positives that came out of it. Such fun scholarships, bursaries, uh, memorials, arena names, like tons and tons like even organ donations like you said like blood like there's so many things and positive that came out of it and that's for me really nice to see too and to have their legacy living on through our 13 survivors and us doing the best that we can at whatever we want to pursue and even just to live life to the fullest for those that aren't here i think is another piece that i'm very grateful and lucky to be able to and i don't take it for granted at all so for me i'm very thankful for my situation that i'm in caleb i i got to know taylor vaz a little bit when he was with the swift current broncos uh and i was the broadcaster for the team for his last couple of years and and talked a little bit about how you know he struggled once he found out about his diabetes to get it under control and get his hockey career under control and and the adversity he went through from that, and he kind of became a, a bit of a spokesman and, and connected with that community. Uh, and thinking of him and then hearing about your story and seeing how well you've handled this situation, how much do you think the adversity you went through trying to be a, you know, a high-tuned athlete in a sport like hockey with a disease like diabetes, going through that and, and finding a way to overcome it, prepared you for the experience you were going to have going through this tragedy yeah i i don't know if it if you could label that as helping me get through it but i honestly think there was a piece of my diabetes resilience that helped me through the tragedy too and i'm not sure how or what if i could label it exactly but i know with diabetes i always had to try to prove people wrong with it and i always had to go to my limits and try my best to always take care of myself, uh, manage my diet, my exercise, my life, my sugar levels. There's lots of other pieces to it. And a normal person just wakes up in the morning and goes, grabs a bite to eat and then heads out the door after they change, brush your teeth, get ready kind of thing. But with me, I have to wake up, see what my blood sugar is, eat, give myself insulin according to what my blood sugar and what I ate and then get ready for my day and carry on. So there's an extra step in our days and every single activity in the day. And so 
I think that might have built in a bit of a resilience and it, I guess, yeah, a bit of a resilience in me as a person to help fight uh, and, I guess, alleviate what I went through with the accident, my injuries, and also the mental and emotional pain of it, too. Well, and with the spotlight that you, as you say, you don't want, but it's coming naturally to you, uh, that's part of your story. So as Canadians have gotten to know you, as the hockey community has gotten to know you, how, how, how have you found that that's sort of opened the door to be a, you know, a positive connection for other people, people and families who are struggling with diabetes as well? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I started the Dahlgren's Diabetes Program uh, in the 2017. I think November was the first kickoff, and it went off. It actually, like, I was surprised at how many people were interested in joining the program. And uh, the mentor is the program made to mentor type 1 diabetic children. I'll just give you a little bit of background. And so the Diabetes is what they're called, Dahlgren's Diabetes. And the Diabetes would come to the game, uh, the child and their family would be there and tickets for all of them would be covered. They get a pregame meal at the local restaurant Johnny's Bistro, which is my favorite Humboldt. Um, and then after that, they'd watch warm-ups, get to participate in a certain little face-off wearing a Dahlgren Diabetes jersey. And then after the game, uh, meet with them and their family and just talk to them about life with diabetes and being that mentor for them. I didn't want it to be just a high and by kind of thing, like talk to you once. I wanted it to be a program to carry on. And so I've been in touch with all of them. Actually, I'm FaceTiming them all this week. And so anyways, with the accident, uh, it honestly got a lot bigger than I thought it was, especially after the accident. Because I knew before accident it was getting big and there, the community was rallying around it and there's lots of people wanting to be a diabetes and it was super exciting. And after the accident, it even got way bigger and more people were reaching out to me. And it's honestly became diabetes situations too um when my name got out there that i was a type 1 diabetic and i had this program in place i had lots and lots and lots of diabetics reach out to me just asking for advice or certain situations or if they could be a diabetes too and the criteria and all that so for me it, it honestly has helped in the healing process i find that me giving back was another piece to the puzzle of me healing I know some people might find that weird and say that, how can you give when you have nothing in you and you're tired and you're emotionally drained, physically drained, but I was able to find that in me because I did it for the whole year uh, leading up to the playoffs and then actually, well, after the accident, with the accident, and then after the accident, my first thing was go back to Humboldt because it meant so much to me to be in that community. And so I thought that, after all this, I continue diabetes, I continue giving back, and it helped me heal. I honestly think giving back fuels your soul. And to put a smile on someone's face, for me, means the world. And if I can do that, and put a smile on someone's face every day, then I'd love to do that for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, to, to hear about your, your work with that, with that group, that, you know, the, the group of diabetics, and if something, you know, as somebody, I'm fortunate enough not to have that issue, and you know, you, so it's hard to put myself in, in those shoes, but you know, it's, it's almost kind of like, you know, as a, as a hockey player and a guy that played at a high level, you know, you, you can, kids, kids can look at that. It's almost like, uh, you know, an indigenous player that sees, 
you know, someone of, you know, First Nations descent playing and they can kind of, you know, look up to that or, you know, any, any number of, of different things where, you know, it's a lot of us take it for granted because, you know, the players look like us. Whereas, you know, if you have something, you know, unique to you that you see, okay, well, that guy, he's going through what I'm going through and I can relate to his position and, and, and he's, he's, he's scoring goals. So, you know, I can score goals. So it's something, yeah. you know, I, I, I guess I'd never thought about diabetes in, in that context, but I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause the whole idea was that growing up, I never really had anyone to look up to. I know you could say Max Domi or Bobby Clark, but Max Domi is only a couple of years older than me. And Bobby Clark is, oh, I wasn't growing up in his era. So for me, I never really had that person to look up to. And there wasn't much awareness around diabetes either. And it was kind of like you're an outcast if you have diabetes. And like even coaches were scared to take me on because they didn't know what it was going to entail. They, they thought I was going to be a uh, liability to the team or ruin the team's cohesion or like have at being added stress to the team because of my diabetes. And so I had to obviously work my way up through the ranks with that being on my resume of the type one diabetic. But uh, I was able to find ways around that and manage my diabetes properly and not let it manage me. So the whole idea of the program was being that influence to children and that light so that they could have somebody to look up to and talk to about it and to actually ask questions and be that support for them because I never had that and I wanted that growing up. And so I wanted to install this program ever since I was about 16 and I was finally able to do it in my 20-year-old season. A lot of people talk about the leadership ability of your late head coach and the way he built the character of, of his team and worked on helping you guys become better young men as much as better hockey players. Yeah. I mean, when we see the, the way you display your leadership, you know, obviously you have other coaches and your parents and, and influences in your life, but how much did you learn from him about how to be a leader that's translated into what you're doing now? Yeah, I honestly credit him with building me to be the person I am today. I think uh, one example that really changed me as a person was uh, going to playoffs. We were about a week out of playoffs. I'd say even, I'd say even like probably five days out of a playoff game, our first game of playoffs. And uh, it was massive snowfall in Humboldt. And so we show up to the rink in the morning, all of us kind of showing up a bit late because our vehicles were piled and it was hard for us to even get to the arena. We had to go pick up some guys that weren't able to get out of their house. And so, anyways, we all show up to the arena, and uh, Coach Hogan walks in and says, all right, fellas, uh, uh, we're not practicing today. And we're all just kind of there like, what do you mean? We, we have a playoff game coming up here this week. And, he's, and we're all just kind of looking around. He's like, we got shovels loaded up for you guys, and we're going to go shovel up uh, the whole community humble. He said, this is more important than us practicing today. And I think this is what we need for the community. And right there, that's when it hit me. I was like, he's so right, though. Like, our community is in need of us. They support us all year. Every game they come out, cheer us on. Uh, every event that we have, they're there rooting us on. The least that we could do is help them in this time. 
And so it was pretty much a whole shutdown of Humboldt. Like people weren't actually able to leave their houses because there's that much snowfall. And so we all went around shoveling driveways. Uh, there was an ad in the radio and said if anyone needs to shovel their driveway shoveled or help in uh, out of the ditch or out of uh, anywhere to contact the Humboldt Broncos and we will be there to help you. So we ended up for the whole morning and afternoon about eight, six, I say about six hours, six hours in total that we went, shoveled the arena area, shoveled uh, restaurants, shoveled driveways, pulled people out. It was honestly an amazing team bonding experience, but it was also very enlightening to see that Darcy wanted us to be community minded, even with playoffs coming up and how we were going to win, like we were going for it. We were, we were going to go win it all. That was the whole idea was why not us? And so I think it just showed his character and how much he wanted us to become better men, not just to be better players. And I think you can see that with all the survivors and all those that aren't here as well. We all were better people because of him. And then you see the way your community rallied around you. You know, only a select few guys were actually from Humboldt, although being from around the Saskatoon area, you'd know it. But I mean, the way Humboldt took you guys on as family too. I mean, the way you supported them, that came back tenfold, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. I I still couldn't get over the outpour when I first showed up to Humboldt. I always knew growing up that it was a good hockey city to be in, and if you were playing junior A, that's where you wanted to be. And uh, I had lots of buddies play there, and they always said how amazing it was. And so I really didn't know how amazing it was until I showed up. And I've never really been there. I've only been there as, like, a posing player. And so when I went to the town, I moved in, my first day moving in, and all you see is humble Broncos, welcome back, Broncos, go Broncos, go. And you're like, okay, like, this is actually a pretty sweet hockey city. And uh, then... When you go out to the first event, there's lots of fans there. You're interacting with people. Kids are coming up to you and asking for autographs. You honestly feel like a celebrity there. And so they treat you so well. And to have their support in playoffs and then after the accident, there's even more support. And so I didn't know that was possible. I thought that was all support we could possibly get. But there's even more. And so I wanted to help humble heal. And so I attended every event I possibly could, and that was fun. So I, I honestly love that city and always will. It has a place in my heart. You know, you talk about people reaching out to you and, you know, trying to, you know, express your support, whatever. And, and uh, you know, all, all, all over, you know, walks of life and different levels of society and, uh, even uh, Johnny Grudeau uh, called you, and I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about about that one. <laughs> what did you hear about that one? That's the question. <laughs> uh, well, I read I read somewhere that uh, you get you gave him a little bit of a hard time. Yeah, yeah, I did. Sadly, uh, I absolutely first off, I'm going to start with I respect Johnny Grudeau and his playing abilities and his personality, all that. Like, I think he's an amazing dude, great player. And so in the hospital, I don't remember this, actually. This has all been told to me of my actions and videos I've seen. But uh, I was in a three-to-four-day three, three to four day window that I, I'd say probably four-day window 
right after the accident where I don't remember anything. So I remember everything right up to the accident. And then four days after, I don't remember anything. And I kind of come to terms with everything. I wake up from whatever state I was in on the fourth, fifth day-ish. So anyways, I was in these like days I don't remember. I was still talking to people and conversing and having conversations. I was just very vague and completely different person, honestly. I, I was like, people were actually worried about me as a person because they're like, I've never seen Caleb like this. This is very concerning. So anyways, Johnny Goudreau and Mark Giordano called me and uh, super nice of them called me. There was lots of people that came and met us too. There was Don Cherry, Ron McLean, uh, even Justin Trudeau came, uh, Taylor Hall. Like, there's tons and tons of people there. So anyway, Johnny Goudreau and uh, Mark Giordano called me, and they're asking who I like better, the Oilers or Flames. And so I said the Oilers, and I said because of McDavid, like, the guy's going to win a cup there. Like, they're going to win one. And so I was a huge Flames fan as a kid, but I'm kind of hopping on the Oilers bandwagon. And so they, they were like, okay, okay, whatever. And they're like, so Giordano, like, knew that I was not myself. So he was like kind of egging me on a bit. And he was like, okay, well then who's better? Uh, Johnny Hockey or McJesus? And so then I was like, well, look at it. Like Johnny Hockey is like five foot seven on a good day. And he's listed, <laughs> he listed as like five foot nine, but I don't think that's possible. And I was like, McJesus is McJesus. Like, I don't think you can compare those two. So, like, I'm sorry, Johnny, but if you were maybe six foot one, you might be better than him. <laughs> and, and so they burst out laughing when I said that. And then, uh, Johnny's like, oh, come on. Like, come on, you're better than that. And Gio's like, no, no, like, listen to him. Like, he's right. Like, you listen to him. And so, yeah, they're egging me on. And so, yeah, I chirped Johnny Goudreau. <laughs> so I felt terrible though. When I saw the video after, I literally felt terrible. I couldn't get over that. I had chirped him. Cause like I, he was one of my favorite players. Like I love watching him play. So when I chirped him, I was like, holy, this is not good. He was even on my fantasy team. Like he was, <laughs> he was, he was literally on my fantasy team. And so like, I, I don't know where that came from, but. You were just being honest. The Oilers are always going to be better than the Flames. That's just how it is. <laughs> well, and- I, uh, I'm not getting into that argument at all. <laughs> I'm done with that. I mean, you're, if if you're comparing player X to you know McDavid, well, that's he's player X is not going to be as good. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. Honestly, yeah, it it was a bad question and it put me in a tough situation. <laughs> if I said, "Yeah, Johnny's better," they'd be like, "Oh, you're full of it." And if I say that McDavid's better, then I still get shamed on. So, yeah, it was a lose lose situation. Now looking back on it. Among the hockey family that that came to support you guys when this first happened and, and after, I mean, me being in Swift Current, there's an obvious and, and tragic connection now between the two mm-hmm. cities beyond just the names of the franchises being yeah. the Broncos. The 1986 crash and members of that team like Sheldon Kennedy, Bob Wilkie, went to Humboldt after the crash happened. Yeah. What did having their experience, having been through it and the recovery that they went through and, and, you know, to go on and become leaders the way those guys have become leaders 
what did having them there do for you guys in the beginning? It honestly meant the world to us. I know for me personally, I met them, but I don't remember meeting them. They, I met them in that four day phase where I don't remember sure. anything. But, uh, Joe Sackett came a little bit later. And I remember meeting Joe Sackett. He was actually on the bus. Believe it or yeah. not, Joe Sackett was on that bus. Yeah. And, um, he came and talked to me. And growing up as a kid, he was my guy. It was Iggy and Sackett. Those were the two guys that I adored. I looked up to them. Those were my guys. I absolutely loved them. And so meeting him was so inspirational and moving. And just hearing his kind of story about it and his thoughts and how he ended up using that as motivation for his career and also for him to want to carry on that legacy too. Like, yeah, it really spoke volumes to me. And that kind of motivated me in a sense to want to be the way that I wanted to carry myself after the accident. That's classic Burnaby Joe as well, because I don't think anyone knew that he was there. He probably snuck in, you know, did talk to you. You know, he won't give he won't give a quote to the paper, but he'll talk to you for a while, right, and really open up. And yeah, it's uh, he's 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 a character. That uh, man, what a wrist shot. You know what? Yeah, it- one, one thing, yeah, like he, one thing I wanted to get into too. I mean, we talked about how you went through that period, you know, of kind of coming back to, you know, figuring out who you were. You know, I've I know a couple guys here locally in, in Portland that have head injuries that it never really did come back for them, and you know that's something you're always worried about. And it it sounds like you know, I mean, you you got two years of, of university in. I mean. It sounds like uh, like that side of things really kind of did come back to you, you know, in a, in a pretty good fashion. Yeah, yeah, it really did. At the time, I don't think my parents or myself knew how severe of an injury it was. Um, they knew that I suffered a head injury, but they didn't know what exactly. And so I had a fractured skull, a puncture wound in my uh, skull as well, uh, broken neck, broken back, blood clots. Um, some ligament damages in my neck and like a brain injury, but they didn't know to what extent. And so, uh, in the hospital, one of my doctors actually called me and said, like, uh, called my parents and said, I'm so sorry for the situation. Like, I, I just can't get over it. My parents said, thank you. Like, we really appreciate your support. And he's like, I know Kale will never be the same. I know he'll never be able to remember your guys name or how to walk or talk, but like, my heart is with you guys. And so my dad was like, what do you mean? Like, he's talking to us right now. And so my doctor didn't believe it. And he was like, this is not possible. Like, based on his scan, this is not possible. I need to come see him now. So he ended up coming and seeing me. And when he met me, I said, hi, Dr. Likos. And his eyes started bawling. He laid on the floor crying, I guess. My parents had to help him up. And he said, this shouldn't be what Caleb is. Like, this shouldn't be him. Like, this scan was not saying this should be what he looks like, how he talks and walks. Like, this should not be him. And so that's when it really hit my parents, how severe it was. And this was also in my four-day phase I don't remember. And so, according to him, it was very serious. And I was considered to be a miracle. And so it kept on coming up that I was a miracle in all of this. And uh, 
I was doing testing and I kept on breaking records and they couldn't get over based on the image how bad my brain was. So yeah, it was it was really I was told not even to go to school. I was recommended to stay home, take one course and one easy course like we call it bird and stay home and that was it. Uh, don't do anything, just take this class and that's it. And so for me I wanted to try out Toronto and see what it was like. I wanted to see if I was and I made my commitment in February and I want to live up to it after I signed it again in May. Like signed it officially in May and then so for me it was more of a let's try to challenge myself and see what happens. Worst case scenario I fail and then I know. But if I don't give it a shot, then there's part of me that wonders what if. So for me, I went against the doctor's bird of saying stay home and try one class, and I ended up being all Canadian my first year. So I think I was considered very lucky, and I had a lot of help in school. It wasn't easy, but uh, I put in a lot of work, and I got rewarded with my work. So, Well, and, and to hear how bad it could have been, and to hear how bad the test indicated it was, and then to see where you were, you know, does that give you that little extra, um, I don't want to see it, not that you don't have anything to lose, it's that, you know, you, you were sort of blessed with a second chance when it didn't seem like, it, you know, test-wise that it was going to be there for you, so it's mm -hmm. like, you got to make something of it? Is there an element of that in your mind? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of where it relates back to the diabetes was like, I feel like I can do it. Like with diabetes, people were saying, oh, like you got, you got to hold it back. They like, should take up a different sport than hockey, like maybe uh, baseball or like something less taxing on your body because hockey is so physically demanding. And so I knew I was able to play hockey and I was still an elite player. I just had a disease that I didn't. Just needed to control. Sense that I knew I inside that I thought I'd be capable enough to move to Toronto, live on my own, take care of myself, be a student athlete, and also deal with all the other external factors of like the humble accident, my healing process, all of those situations. And I thought to myself, I I know I can do this. Like I I trust myself that I can do this. And so I think that's kind of where my diabetes kicked in, more or less, was in that situation. And to try to prove people wrong. Because when someone tells you that you're going to fail if you try university, you want to try university to show them that you're not going to fail. For me, personally. And so, yeah, I think I, I definitely had an extra motivation. And I wanted to live my life to the fullest for those that aren't here. And I can look back on it now and say that I gave it my all. Well, and, and to go right back into a team environment, that must have been helpful too to to achieve some sense of normalcy again to be back in a in a with a team to some degree, right? Yeah, for sure. I think the one thing that I really wanted was to be treated as a first year freshman on the team. I on our first meeting, well, we had a pre skate to our actual first skate of the season with the coaching staff. It was just the players at the skate. And so I went out there, and everything was good. I knew a couple of the guys. Uh, there was a couple of student guys on the team, Dexter Bricker, Max Shields, and uh, Ben Barrell. And so 
I knew those guys going into it, which was really helpful. And uh, after the skate, I, I still like felt like I was not getting treated like a freshman. And mm-hmm. like kind of, it was like walking on eggshells kind of around me. Like just, they didn't know where to, if they like chirp me or if they couldn't, like what I could take, what I couldn't take. Like, you know how hockey is. Like guys will bug you a bit or, mm-hmm. hey, you're rookie, pick up the pucks. Like just kind of like that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got the nets. You're you're on the lowest totem pole right now. The next year, you don't need to get them, kind of thing. So I I felt like they're still walking on eggshells. So after our first, well, in our first team meeting, I uh, piped up and I said to the guys, "Look, like I've healed from what has happened to me emotionally, physically, and mentally. I said right now my brain's holding me back from being able to compete and practice in the contact drills, but I just want to be treated as." Caleb Dahlgren, York University Lion freshman, not Caleb Dahlgren, Humboldt Bronco. I said, I just want to come here and be a part of the team and be treated like everybody else. And I said, I don't want any special treatment or royalty. Treat me like anyone. You can chirp me. You can bug me. I'm okay with everything. I, I'm fine talking about the accident. And I want to be Caleb Dahlgren, the York University Lion. And then all the guys started clapping and said, welcome aboard. Like, we're more than happy to have you here. And so that was a really big moment for me because I had to let that out because I, I felt like they're all walking on shells. And after that, it was much, much better. I was treated like normal teammates. I had the rookie duties and I felt like I was a part of the team then. You know, it's I, the more we get into this conversation and, you know, we talked earlier about how, you know, you had all kinds of interview requests and they kind of kept coming and kept coming. And, I wonder how much of that is, you know, the the more we get to know Caleb Dahlgren, the more we like the guy and just kind of want to want to talk to him some more and just kind of see, you know, what, hey, what what else you got going? I mean, it's, you know, and 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 in the whole concept of, you know, that you, you know, that Humboldt team represented, you know, all of all of us, all of our kids, you know, it's kind of, you know, I feel like you kind of, you know. Hey, hey, Caleb, you scored a hat trick. Well, you know, the other guy got me the puck three times, you know, whatever. Oh, shucks, kind of a thing. I mean, you kind of, you know, in some ways you are the, the, the everyman of, of uh, you know, what we expect out of our hockey players. These are Saskatchewan kids, right? Well, thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. So what what do you see uh, in the future for you? I mean, right now it's day by day, I'm sure, and you're a part of the team and you're, you're you know, working at school, but what are you working towards? You've, you've been doing the speaking you've been doing. You, you see, see that being a part of your life long term. What are some of your goals? Yeah. So right now, um, after my last test, I was not able to compete in this past season. And I was actually really excited to get my test done. But uh, I had a test lined up for March 28th to see where I was at with the healing process and recovery for potentially. Um academically speaking i was able to receive academic alchemy again this year and so i've always wanted to be a chiropractor or physiotherapist growing up and uh for me i always wanted to be in the health field and i always wanted to work with athletes and help people that was like the three things that i wanted in my future life and so being able to achieve the marks i am in school i want to take the chiropractic route And also because after the accident, I found the chiropractic helped me the most personally recover from my injuries I dealt with. And uh, so I 
I really have a passion for chiropractic and uh, did some, met some people, did lots of shadowing with already four people so far. And that's the route for me for sure. I'm really excited for that route. So I'm applying to that actually this fall for 2021. And then on the speech side, uh, I'm with the talent agency right now, like I've said before, and I, I really like helping people. And for me, I see that in the future. For sure. I really see that in the future. I think if I can share my story and help a person by sharing my story, I'd want to do that. And like I said, I, I don't really want the attention or the notoriety or anything. It was more of just sharing my story to help that individual. Because we all have our own thing that we're dealing with. And honestly, everyone does. Like, And so for me, if I could just help one person by sharing my story, then I'd be very happy with that. And I want to continue on with the diabetes program. I've done that for the past two years as well at York. We've had diabetes at York. And uh, also, I'm a national ambassador at JDRF which is a diabetes research foundation and I've been with them for five years and four years as a national ambassador. So I want to continue giving back too. And I think that's another major piece to my life is giving back and helping others. So I feel like right now, if I could return to hockey next season, that'd be amazing. But as of right now, I'm still up in the air and we'll be figuring out that. But uh, I also took on a recruiting role and a personal training role this year to help out in any capacity possible because it was really bothering me that I wasn't able to play in a game. And so I thought, what else could I do to help our team? And there's a spot for recruiting and being an assistant personal trainer. And so I took those roles on too. So are, are, are you optimistic then that, uh, well, I, I guess it's, it's all you are is optimistic, but uh, you think uh, <laughs> you, you think you're looking good for, for next season or, or what, what do you, what, what's your, your stance on that right now? Well, as of right now, I'm not 100% sure. I tried a different form of uh, healing therapies. Uh, I tried osteopaths for a full year. And so I've been told that they've, been wor- they've worked miracles before. And they've healed many injuries. And they have remolded brains in the past. And so right now, it's still up in the air. I think I'm more evidence-based. So it depends on the scan. But I do feel good, and I'm able to compete, uh, stay up to the same speed, and be able to, yeah, like I'm, I'm able to practice with the team, so I think that's a positive for sure, is being able to keep up, being able to think the game as fast as they are, and being able to play the game as fast as they are. So I think that's definitely a right step forward, but it's honestly, it all comes down to the doctor, and so... Uh, I'll have to wait for that go-ahead once it comes. And if not, well, then I'm proud of my career. And hopefully it does come. But if not, I'm proud that I gave it my all. And the best foot forward in my recovery and in my career, too. So, well, It sure seems like you're the type of guy or have become the type of person that when they're they're facing a, a barrier, finds, well, what, what next? What can I do? You know, what, what's the next step instead of, uh, sitting back and feeling sorry for yourself and that for, you know, for anyone struggling to, that, that's certainly a real positive, uh, positive direction to go. I, I have to ask about, you know, your teammates and, and the families and the, and the teammates that are, that are still with us. And, and what's that connection been like? I mean, you've all gone your separate ways to a degree. Obviously mm-hmm. you're living your lives, but 
what's that bond been uh, since what happened and and have you guys remained or, or become even closer as, as it's gone along yeah i honestly think we still have that bond of caring for each other like we have a group chat we chat in there we uh also i try to keep in contact with everyone and just check in like i'd say monthly or every two months kind of thing like, i want them to have their space i don't want it to look like i'm controlling or anything like that because I, I just really care about them i want the best for them so i'll check in here and there and just see how they're doing maybe yeah like i check in a lot of time and just to make sure that they're doing okay because we're all going through the same thing like looking back on it we're all going through the same thing and so i'm also keeping in touch with the families too and they all know that i love and support them and just want the best for their life for the future and i think that's all you can really do because everybody heals differently and i really found this out in the process of uh the accident and aftermath is that everybody heals differently and giving them space but knowing that you're there for their support means a tremendous amount so i've been doing that and it's it's been i think a really good relationship that we have all together you know and i mentioned this earlier and i wanted to 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 go back to to logan boulet and you know again that's another another positive that we pulled out of this this whole you know series of events and and you know something we desperately needed to you know to look at as a as as a you know a good thing and you know just to me personally i mean i i went and you know i wanted to get a a broncos jersey and and i kind of was was really in towards yours caleb you know partially because you know of of uh, you coming out on the on the other end of it and you know making yourself available and 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 partially just because you wore 16 you know and you know that being a significant number in this in this group but i ultimately decided to go with the with the boulet's jersey and and i I say sometimes that you know my favorite hockey player was a guy that i've never seen take a shift and you know what? What was what was Logan like? I mean, he wore an A, you know, with with you. Yeah. I mean, what what was he like as a player? What was he like as as a person? Yeah, uh, honestly, he was the kind of teammate that you want. Uh, all of them were. I think for Logan though, him not good by you, and uh, him, Stephen Wack and I would hang out quite a bit. Bryce Fisk as well, but uh, he he would we'd go to floor hockey every Monday together and it was with the Special Olympics floor hockey team and so him Tyler Smith and myself would go and have a ball an absolute ball all the time it was so fun spending time with the Special Olympics they absolutely loved us and we absolutely loved them and uh, it was a great time and so we'd go to Special Olympics and we'd come back to my house my Bill's house and we'd watch The Bachelor like 15 guys normally uh, I'd say 13 to 15, probably probably 15 most nights. That would tune in and together in the house basement and hang out and watch the Bachelorette. We were also stallmates too. And so like, we were really good buddies that year. And I was really thankful for the friendships that I made that season with a lot of people because we were all from different areas. And I've, I only played with about three people in the past 29, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, so like there was a lot of people that I met in that season, and they're all amazing people. So I really thought Logan was a great dude, and always wanted the best for others, and was a great team player. He, yeah, he was a really great guy. He actually 
one part of the season I can tell you a story. We were in the Flint Fawn and my roommate Bryce Fisk got checked from behind and Logan came in and absolutely beat the knuckles off some guy and uh, broke his hand and was out for a month and a half because he broke his hand standing up for his teammates. So it kind of just shows his character and how he just wanted to be there and be a leader for the boys. And he would have been a teacher at, uh, he was talking to ULAT and he was planning on going to ULAT Bridge, uh, U Sports and be taking the education program. So I thought he would have been very successful in that. Yeah. I bet the pronghorns don't, you know, take away the, the hockey program if, uh, if, if, if Logan's playing for them, but that's, well, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Caleb, I really appreciate your time. We could probably go all all night. You have any, anything else? Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we let you go? Not really, honestly. I'm just uh, very grateful to live my life to the fullest for the 69 here, and very thankful for you guys having me on here. It's great chatting with you guys. And yeah, anyway, like I said, I really really appreciate your time, and uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, you know things are they're going in a, in a positive direction for you. It sounds like uh, you know, considering considering everything you went through, I mean, it almost couldn't be much better than, than where you're at now. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I honestly, I always take the positive in life and never take for granted. I think to live my life to the fullest for 16 is something very special. I hold to my heart dearly. So, thank you very much. So proud of me. It's been a blast chatting with you guys. Well, I, I appreciate, your t- appreciate your time also, and thanks for uh, being the ambassador that you have been and will be in uh, all the best for you uh, throughout this pandemic, and hope you can get back to New York as soon as possible. Thank you. Really appreciate it.